Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman, also called H, but I don't have to be called that today because, unfortunately, Ryan Quintel has died. No, he's he's just very sick. Actually, that would be really terrible if if this did really uh, quickly ramp up in the time in between recording and uh, and releasing the episode. But um, no, he's he's fine. He's just a bit under the weather this week. Uh, and in his stead, we have a frequent con- frequent contributor. That's not an easy combination of syllables to say. The great Neil Piper. Hello, everybody. I felt like you needed a title all of a sudden. I don't know why. I just stumbled into that. I appreciate it. It's it's always fun to have a title. <laughs> oh, well, we are uh, we're recording on Discord, and when we pulled up our uh, Discord window, I saw that the last things that we had. Uh, had written to each other the last time that we had used Discord to chat with one another is um, was playing Star Wars Battlefront 1 in, uh, well, Star Wars Battlefront 1 2, the second Star Wars Battlefront 1, in just private rooms with no NPCs or anything, just kind of running around and exploring the world and <laughs> sometimes shooting each other, sometimes not. Yeah, recently I was playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 2. I was playing against NPCs because I don't really do online i was uh, i was discovering that when you play against bots they drastically reduce the size of the maps they just kind of close off areas because they think oh they're never going to use this in a silly match against bots who could ever want this much space and they end up kind of closing off some of the most interesting portions of the map and so i'm kind of as an offline player i'm just kind of stuck in the most boring you know the uh, end of the last jedi this this great battle that takes place in the salt planet with the red clay underneath the salt and it's you know making these these beautiful colors and this is very kind of dazzling atmosphere right and so they have you stuck inside of this anonymous cave that all the rebels were hiding out in so you know You've got this cool spectacle right outside, but you'll never be able to get to it because you got a big old dumb door in the way. Well, you can always play uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2-1 and play against 64 bots with the best AI 2004 has to offer. That's probably still the best way to experience Star Wars Battlefront 2 on PC, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's get to some video game pitches today. You are our guest. I would like to give you the choice. Would you like to go first or second today? Let's go ahead. I'll go second. Let's hear what you've uh, got in the pipeline here. All right. Okay. So what I want to do is introduce a Scribblenauts-like system of summoning objects by a text, but you play the role of a genie who must grant wishes in a dramatically ironic way. (laughs) So we'll start the clock there. That sounds like a lot of fun. I've always been a big fan of the Scribblenaut series since the first one. It's always a bit ridiculous to see what type of things you can get to show up to solve the puzzles. So Mm -hmm. uh, how does being a genie affect the formula for the games? Well, I mean, you are kind of answering requests. It's a little bit less open-ended than Scribblenauts, which uh, I I like especially. I think Scribblenauts Unlimited was kind of the height of the series there. I, I didn't 
care for Unmasked that much, but Unlimited I thought was uh, was really superb. And uh, it gave you a lot of freedom in the ways that you approached the puzzles that it would put out for you. It was kind of like an open-ended Monkey Island type game. And um, I think as a genie, you would uh, you would be beholden, of course, to answering very specific requests for people. But I always like this kind of monkey's paw type scenario that genies find themselves in where they have to grant the wish in a technically correct way, but in a way that makes the wisher regret asking for it. And I've always had this idea in my mind that it would be kind of fun, like a story to have a to have a genie who's no good at the whole ironic thing. And they're just trying to get better, but they just like grant people's wishes with no downsides or they'll do like a punishment that's completely unrelated. And all the other genies are just like, uh, this guy again, come on, get into it. Have some fun. Are you kind of going around in like a a 3D space meeting, meeting people in like an open world and they're kind of, um, giving a, a quest for, I like my cat disappeared. Can you like find my cat or like, I want to find true love, but I'm, I've been so sad. Could you, could you help fix that for me? And then, um, would it just bring up like a, a menu where you could type out a, a wacky solution, like a, like a giant cat or, or true love is um, in a situation they didn't expect or kind of hunt down in the world, something to solve their problem um, or something like that. I think as a magical being, you would be kind of summoning all of these things yourself, uh, kind of like the genie in Aladdin, where Aladdin wishes to be a prince and genie dresses him up and gives him a parade all out of magic. He creates life, which is pretty significant. <laughs> uh, that's uh, feels like that should be against the genie rules, because what happens when, well, you know what, never mind. <laughs> I think that setting this in 3D would introduce unnecessary complications as far as the... Um, I think one of the things that Scribblenauts does really well is, is it has such an immense vocabulary of uh, summonable objects, and it's able to get away with that because it has a very simple 2D art style. Uh, you know, it's very uh, quick to draw a lion in that style, and all the uh, all the different creatures and objects are all made of pieces that, like the arms, are kind of like tacked on. And the legs operate under, a, you know, leg behaviors and everything. And so, you know, it's, it all feels very, um, I, I don't know what the word is, like everything is made of components and they all kind of assemble together in intelligent ways to, to uh, instead of having to actually create 3D animations for every conceivable object, it'd be a lot easier probably to set it in 2D. Uh, although I don't want to just be like a Scribblenauts ripoff. Um, and also I think a, open world would be kind of wasted on a genie because you're not really in control of where you go. You're kind of stuck to your lamp or you are tied to the particular master that you're serving at the time. So as a genie, you do have, of course, phenomenal cosmic powers. You've mentioned the uh, the genie council. So would there be some sort of like a, a rating system for the the wishes that you granted? Like, oh, this you get a, a five star for uh, granting their request, but a, a two star for the uh, like long long term impacts of on the rest of the city. Yeah, you know, I I haven't really decided whether I think you want to strike a balance. Maybe this could be like a like a reigns kings and queens type of a quick play type thing where it dumps you to a menu every time you accidentally like destroy the world or you uh you know do something like if somebody were to say 
you know, I'm completely satisfied. I desire nothing. And you were to summon a black hole as like, that's ironic, but it also destroys the entire world. And so you'd be docked points for that, obviously. Uh, but you know, you want something that will just punish this one person or the people in their immediate vicinity rather than, uh, completely annihilating humanity. Cause then where are you going to get your next master to be spiteful towards uh, that's very true. I like the idea of having this as like a kind of a dating app game like Reigns where you've got mm. a couple different options for how you can grant the wish and maybe like swipe right or swipe left to pick which one uh, you like best and then it, it keeps going down the list of consequences from there and you have to keep picking ones to try to genie your way either more into or, or out of the situation. Yeah. I kind of wanted to keep it open-ended because it's, I think it's fun to think of clever ways to be ironic in a situation and then to try to like suss out, did the developers think about this specific? I feel like I've had that experience before where a game has been open-ended enough to where you, know, you get that kind of thing sometimes in text adventure games or actually weirdly enough, you get that in um, like, you don't know Jack when you enter certain names, it has a reaction to it. And it's always kind of like, huh. Oh, they thought about this name or this combination of names between the the players. Like, how how many of these different jokes did they program into it on the off chance that somebody would name themselves after the Three Stooges, you know? <laughs> right. So what if it's um, kind of like this, this rain situation, but it's with uh, kind of like Mad Libs. So there's a fill-in-the-blank section for the <laughs> sentence of like, you did X, Y with noun... And uh, depending which noun you put in it, it, they have to keep that for the rest of the scenario. And maybe there's a, a bunch of them that are programmed in for certain reactions. And then a bunch of them, it's just you've picked a silly word and now you have to live with the consequences. Maybe you have a certain number of letters to choose from, kind of like Wheel of Fortune. You know, you you have to grant three wishes. You have a handful of letters and you have to think about ironic ways to grant or maybe even genuine ways to grant them extra points for irony, but you still get by if it's genuine. And as you use each of those letters, they disappear from your following two wishes. So you have to be very economical with the words that you use. And maybe there is like a correct combination, but, um, it's just all about like utilizing, uh, limited resources. Yeah, I, th I think that could that could work well. That gives a, a lot of options, but then if you go if you go really big on your your first answer, you know you're going to be limiting yourself for what the next uh, mm -hmm. what the next two scenarios could be. Yeah, and if you have letters left over, then you can apply some adjectives to get some extra points. It could almost kind of turn into like a uh, word game in a way. You know what? That's kind of interesting too, like a crossword almost, but the clues have multiple solutions. Yeah. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe we'll pocket that. So this character wishes for something and you have you know, a great array of directions you can go with it. It would be kind of fun to kind of have it write a little story about the character and what happens to him or her afterwards. And so, you know, based on the wishes you grant, whether they are appropriately ironic or whether they end up making this person rich, it can kind of like shape the world that you are embedded in. And then over time, maybe you're left in your, your lamp for hundreds of years in between, in between people finding you, you can find uh, references back to the previous people that you had helped or hurt. And uh, maybe if you cause them to get rich and become a king, then they have a city named after them, or there's 
statues of them around the city or something. Uh, I just like this idea of uh, the adventures kind of tying back to each other. Yeah, I think that would be a fun way to make sure that the choices you make have have consequences within the game and kind of making an Easter egg for yourself of sorts for uh, playing it over and over again. We're out of time on that one. We're going to have to come up with a name for this, which I haven't done. Uh, Let me think. There has to be a lot of good genie puns. Could do, um, if if it is, goes in the word game direction, we could kind of call it uh, wishful thinking. (laughs) I like that. That's perfect. Wishful thinking. That's a good one. Wishful thinking, the Scribble Nuts Like game coming to your Xbox One next summer because using a keyboard with a uh, controller has never been more comfortable. All right, Neil, what do you have for us today? So I've come up with this one a little a little bit here, so um, bear with me if it's a little bit convoluted. But well, That's all right. I sprung <laughs> this on you at the last minute, so it's, it's okay to come in unprepared. <laughs> Good to hear. So this one I think would be a bit fun. So what the number one popular thing among kids these days is being a YouTube star. And a lot of what's popular among a number of games is a, a procedurally generated scenario or, or situation or, or map, like in a, a roguelike or a, a game where the it is procedurally generated. And what was uh-huh. what was popular 25 years ago were, uh, you know, like a full motion video game, like uh, Marky Mark Make My Video. So what if we did a modern Marky Mark Make My Video, except the clips it gives you are procedurally generated from... Uh, it reading all of the YouTube videos of popular YouTube stars and just kind of mashing them together and guessing what it thinks people want to watch on YouTube. <laughs> and it's your job to pick these, pick between these kind of crazy clips and put them together into a, a coherent video that that the game thinks or that your your friends think you would want to watch on the internet. All right. Well, let's start the clock and see where it takes us. So now, as you were explaining the whole, like, YouTuber thing and the procedural generation, I was really hoping this wasn't going to be a procedurally generated suicide forest that you have to navigate. Oh, no, but, uh, too soon. Yeah, exactly. Is this pulling, like, actual clips from YouTube, or are these all things that are generated by whatever company is producing this game? It's hard to say. I Part of part of my inspiration was some of those those clips you see where it's like we've spent we took every book in a popular series about a, a young adult wizard and put them together and this is what it came out with. So it it has mm-hmm. all of the all of the marks and trappings of a YouTube video, but it might just kind of bounce back and forth between between people in the clips it, it or um, not necessarily be recognizable as a com- as a complete YouTube person, but have most I don't know. Yes and no. That's the short of it there. Okay. And I know that right, doesn't but you want much. to incorporate some sort of a full motion video aspect to it. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a genre that went away for good reason and it would be uh, pretty silly to bring it back. <laughs> I, I guess I'm still having a hard time picturing like exactly what this looks like. So so I feel like you kind of like dodged the question. So are these like actual clips from YouTube or are these things that are generated for the game specifically? I don't mean to re-ask oh, no. the same thing. I, sorry, I should have had a better answer for you. Let's say they're generated just for the game. Okay. All right. So you've got your, your team that's maybe making little like uh, five to 10 second clips, maybe accompanying it with, uh, with noises or the ability to add subtitles or some sort of a creative measure uh, some way to remix these videos and to reinterpret them Um, you can maybe you could provide narration over it or maybe you're given specific challenges like 
you know, oh, we've uh, we've created this great movie trailer, but we've lost all the footage. All we have left is, is the audio. So you have to come up with the videos from a random assortment of these uh, of these clips and arrange them underneath the audio to try to fit with what's going on in the uh, in the audio yeah I, th- I think that would be a, a lot of fun with that or it, it has has a video and it's um kind of, we need this to be marketable to a, a foreign audience here are the the subtitle clips we've generated from this <laughs> i know you've uh, worked in that space in the past but that that yeah. could be a fun a fun way to uh, build that into a game here you know it'd be kind of fun is to take like a reverse of the uh of the foreign language translated into english to do English language shows and you have to translate it for a foreign audience, but you don't speak that language. And so you're just given random phrases and you just drag and drop them onto the scenes that you think they belong in. (laughs) And then at the end, it kind of like shows you what you actually made the video say. I think, I think that would be pretty great because it's the the whole point of this is to make a, a game where it's kind of lampoons the the video the video creating process and whatever way it can do that would be uh, a lot of fun so i like these uh these creative open-ended games one of the real challenges though is that they're difficult to score <laughs> because computers don't really have a subjective sense of humor and they might miss something that you're putting down that's actually like really clever and uh, the way that the jackbox games get around this is that oftentimes players rate each other's responses as being funny or not funny, which more or less keeps it honest. I mean, people often underestimate my genius, but uh, that's that's a complaint with that's human error, not the fault of the <laughs> the program. Do you see this being something that can be scored by a computer, or does it have to rely on other people? I think if it if it were like a, a Jackbox style game, I think that would provide a bit more entertainment value for the players, but it would, because it is procedurally generated in some sense by the computer, it would be fun for the computer to also give you a score at the end. And either you'd feel it was right on base or it was way off and didn't appreciate you, but there's no way to know why it gave you the score it did. Just like real YouTube. Yeah, exactly. A funny <laughs> Korean man can dance around and get a billion views. <laughs> And my video that I painstakingly created of a band full of Kurt Cobain singing Walking on Sunshine never gets more than 15. It's a cruel world (laughs) out there. There's no justice in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So I I do like this as uh, one of the things that the Jackbox games do that's really fun is that, you know, they hide bits of information on every player's phone or tablet or laptop or whatever they're using to play the games. And then they kind of collect them all back up into the main computer and uh, display the results for everyone to see. And so I think it'd be fun because, you know, phones have so many more functions than what Jackbox uses them for. They have, uh, they have, you know, you can plug in headphones to uh, most non-Apple branded phones, you know, get into some audio work there as well, you know, secret or from everyone else. And that's something that's not really been used to my recollection. Yeah, as far as I know, they don't have a, a lot of ones where you need a, the headphones or it would use the, the camera or a lot of the more advanced features that we carry around in our pockets. So it, it could be fun to put those into play in a, 
a, a wacky video creating mini game. You know, this could work as like a America's Funniest Home Videos <laughs> type clip show. I guess each video clip that you use has like a tag associated with it, which could be done because the the creators of the game are creating all these clips as well so they know what's in each of them and so maybe you have like a max headroom type of youtuber host that's a kind of speaking procedurally generated lines i guess the, the lines would be written beforehand but like mixed up in clever ways kind of like the uh madden commentators do <laughs> I, it'd be kind of funny if it was like very computery though and very inorganic Anyways, it would be able to actually introduce each of these different clips or to lead into them, you know, by uh, mentioning appropriate terms. And then it's kind of funny when when it turns out to be something completely different or uh, actually appropriate to what the person was talking about. Yeah, I think that would would be fun and, and go along with the uh, kind of the, like the YouTube algorithm is pretty infamous at this point for reading videos and turning people's money on and off so maybe that could be the uh the disembodied algorithm that's reading what what the content is and judging whether uh what what is in it before you you see what the video is it would make sense that you would be able to publish these videos for real after you're done playing the game it's a way of advertising the game and also a way of uh like cataloging some of the fun memories you've had along the way and you know there could be entire channels full of just videos that were generated by players playing this game that that would be uh, uh pretty pretty meta to have the the youtube channels be built on the the video of making videos about youtube so we've uh we talked about this as like a multiplayer game if we wanted to build a single player component into this and maybe have like a like a career youtuber over the years uh creating content maybe Sometimes the equations and the algorithms change and you have to kind of ascertain what's going on by doing experiments and uh, adjust to make more money. You know, maybe you have to follow what's popular in the culture at the time. Maybe it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's just like, you can kind of browse other videos, maybe that other players have made at the same point in the career journey and kind of start to notice patterns of what's popular and what's getting monetized and what's not. Because I feel like that's a big job of YouTubers is paying close attention to what everyone else is doing and uh, either copying from it directly in some cases or um, using other people's experiments to uh, their own advantage. Yeah, I think that could be a good uh, aspect of it for a, a single player mode. The one that just popped into my head is that uh, Mario Party minigame, you know, where it shows the like the Bowser face or the Luigi face, and then it mm -hmm. it kind of twists it all in a weird way, and then you have to, to copy it to get the most points as close as possible. Mm -hmm. So maybe it shows the uh, like the thumbnail clip where it's got the guy's face on it, like, you won't believe what I did with Fortnite, <laughs> and you have to take your video and like pinch it in a way that makes it look as close to that as possible. I like that. Well, we're out of time. We have to conclude this with a name. Do you have an idea for what you want to call this YouTube simulation game? No, I'm not sure. I know there's a game out there already called like, YouTube Simulator. And I it's like don't... YouTuber Life or something like that. Yeah, and I don't want to just uh, completely rip them off there. The thing I thought of on, on the way to putting this together was that 
Sega CD want to like make my video a different hip hop one. So I kind of want to call it something like make my video, but I need a good, a good like intro before that because otherwise it's just make my video. <laughs> Computer tube, make my video. Computer tube, make my video. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we can go with that. That will do just fine. Anyways, we go now to a listener submission. This comes from our website's pitch page, which is at playwrightcast.com slash pitch. This comes from Spencer Saunders, who we've heard from many times before. He writes in, Nintendo has so much red 2D Super Mario art that I feel it's underutilized. We usually see it as extra background art and stuff, and somewhat recently in as stamps and stickers in games like Mario Kart 8, Super 3D World, and more prominently in the WarioWare franchise. I want an entire game with this delicious art, and what better way to do it than with a Mushroom Kingdom visual novel? Bonus points if I can date Donkey Kong and then wear a hoodie version of the DK Jr. outfit. All right, we will start the clock. So I'm not super familiar to my uh, with a whole lot of visual novels, uh, but let's see. Does the uh, the Ace Attorney series count towards that? Okay. Yeah, that's a visual novel. Uh, I think a lot of visual novels are. I think there's two broad categories. There's mystery games. So you get the uh, Danganronpa and the uh, Zero Escape and uh, Phoenix Wright and those those types of games where you're solving mysteries. And then there's uh, Dating Sims as another one. You know, If My Heart Had Wings and uh, uh, Had a Full Boyfriend and Dream Daddy. I feel like citing parodies more than the actual... <laughs> Uh, examples of the genre might speak to my inexperience, but, uh, you know, they are, they're out there sometimes in dubious positions on steam <laughs> from what I've, what I've ascertained, but being able to have a visual novel set in the mushroom kingdom, that's interesting. Okay. We gives us a setting for our story, but I want to find more ways that we can use this idea rather than just kind of like settling on, let's tell a more RPG like story in the mushroom kingdom, because that's already been done with uh with proper rpgs so let's find creative ways to use the format to enhance this uh mushroom kingdom adventure so we've i think within the mario games uh, the rpgs and uh, all of them there's a mechanic of of course jumping on an enemy's head to defeat them so i think mm -hmm. it could be kind of ridiculous in a visual novel to keep that as one of the primary gameplay mechanics even if it is a like a dating situation or a solve the crime situation maybe you have to woo your perspective waluigi by bringing them the right thing or jumping on the heads of of him or the uh, the the enemies or the the people that will bring bring favor to him in your eyes what do you think about that as a an option let's see that's interesting i because I don't, I don't want to make it too much like like a Paper Mario. Because that's, I know that's that's a big thing there. But what, what, where are you yeah. going with that one? You know, a lot of of um, visual novels have a first person perspective, because then you can really kind of front and center the text box and the, the character art of the people you're talking to, and I think a lot of the time, kind of project yourself into the uh, the experience of the character that you're playing as. And so I feel like in that case, jumping on somebody, since everything is like a, a flat illustration, feels just like another choice that you would be selecting from a menu rather than actual test of skill and perception and uh, momentum and, you know, all this that goes into an actual 
Mario jump. And so it, I think it is fun to uh, bring in the Mario conventions. Um, like we saw the Paper Mario series does a really great job of incorporating traditional Mario power-ups and some of the uh, series staples and recontextualizing it for a different genre. So uh, yeah, definitely open to that. But I want to find a creative way to, creative ways to use all the aspects that we are choosing to reincorporate uh, rather than just kind of throwing them in the pot and seeing what sticks. Sure. You know, but we have, if we want to turn this into a romantic type of game, um, I think there's a lot of Mario power-ups that could go a long way to uh, to bettering your love life. Like, I think the, the mushrooms, for one, um, there are certain advantages to becoming larger in romantic situations. Um, I, the fire flower is fun. You could really heat up a situation, maybe use it around the hot tub or something to uh to get it bubbling or um yeah i'm not sure you set the mood by lighting some candles or something like that and you just want to make sure you can tell the difference uh between the super mushroom and the the mini mushroom because if you give that one to your (laughs) your crush you might never uh they might not want to talk to you again it'd be kind of interesting to meld the visual novel type of game with the uh dungeon crawler uh which is a uh first person uh, game set in a similar perspective. We talked about it a little bit last week, usually set in like a 3d maze type of environment where you just kind of move one step at a time or you can rotate it. It actually controls very similarly to a text adventure game. You know, I think just navigating through a, for all intents and purposes, 3d space and, um, encountering characters and having, uh, those conversations and connecting with them there kind of gives you a sense of uh, people actually have a schedule and people are doing things. You might miss people if you're not in the right place at the right time, or you might learn to expect somebody at a certain time elsewhere. And this is fun to run into people out in the world. You know, I, I don't, you know, a lot of uh, visual novels, they tell you precisely where to find somebody at any given time, you know, persona three and four and presumably five, I haven't played yet do this. They tell you if you want to meet this person, character you go here and that's where they will be but uh i don't know having more freedom of mobility i think would be interesting yeah and there's uh, so many good locations in the the mushroom kingdom like your your peach's castle your your donkey kong country and uh those maybe Mm -hmm. that might be outside of the mushroom kingdom but it's neither here nor there so i think that that would work very well to um expand the world and uh, get to explore and see which which characters you find and find ones in uh, unexpected locations since this is uh, sounds like it's made of kind of reused art from previous Mario games, uh, there's really no reason why it would be constricted to Mario art, maybe as DLC or maybe just as like user-generated content. You can pull in artwork from... You know, I see the problem already, but <laughs> I don't think it's kind of fun. <laughs> We did talk earlier, and I was trying to find the specific episode, but I couldn't couldn't find it just just now. But we did one uh, earlier on in the playwright one where we uh, we did basically an open source dating game where players can upload their own art and their own stories, their own dialogue trees, and everything, and basically put a character out on the uh, on the marketplace. Uh, you know, free marketplace to to date and uh, go on these adventures with, which, you know, I think is a fun way of sharing 
a story that uh, that you don't see as often as a lot of other types of mods for games. Yeah, that, that's a fun one. I know they have a, a few few ones like that for fighting games where it's just import whatever character and, and brawl them together. But there, as far as I know, isn't one where it's put them together and make them fall in love. So I appreciate that. That's right. This could be like Super Crush Bros. <laughs> Actually, not a bad name. You might want to hang on to that. Yeah, no, that, that one's good. Let's think of some interesting like fail states or success conditions. So oftentimes in... Uh, in visual novels and uh, dating games in particular, usually not in mystery type of games, but in dating games, you are competing against the clock, essentially. You know, you have a certain amount of time and you lose time with every day that you choose to be doing something else. And so that is time that you have not spent with this other person or practicing this other skill. And so it's kind of an opportunity cost that you are losing out on in a lot of these cases. Um, now, Mario's never been, well, I guess in his old games, he used to be concerned with time. Otherwise, he would uh, he would very respectfully die once his time had uh, expired at the top of the screen. Uh, but um, yeah, that's not something that I typically think of as being a massive concern of his. So uh, what do we uh, introduce that is a threat to the success of players I think there's a, a classic one in the Mario Mario canon that is your your love interest could be stolen away by Bowser or Donkey Kong <laughs> War, Wario one of the uh, the villain characters and you so you only have enough time to practice like tennis or baseball or soccer or whatever to try to either woo your love interest or woo the villain in a way where it will cause them to uh, abandon their plans. And you have to go through all this extra trouble to go and like rescue them and then continue your relationship. Maybe they've kind of soured on you since then. So yeah, I guess that'd be interesting, kind of like managing, keeping the villain away from your love interest while also spending time with them. So kind of splitting your attention between these two. And if you want to date more than one person, then that's uh, splitting your attention in so many more ways. But uh, anyways, that's all the time we have time for with that one. I uh, I say we just keep the name Super Crush Bros because it kind of fits. Yeah, I I think that's that's a really good one, and it's a uh, bring bring them together for love and not battle. Yeah, exactly, satellite and crush. Well, that's all that we have for today. If you would like to submit a pitch on one of our future shows, you can go to playwrightcast at gmail dot com. You can uh, go to playwrightcast dot com slash pitch. Or you can tweet us at PlaywrightCast. In all of those instances, it is P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T. And we'd also like to give a big shout out to our uh, to our musician friend, Protodome, who has supplied our theme song, that is Hello World, off of the album Blue Noise, Seek It Out, and all of Protodome, Protodome's work, because it is, uh, it is all genuinely excellent. And again, Neil, thank you for filling in for a very sick cue. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope he feels better soon and uh, keep up the the great work with the show. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm sure that by the time he's hearing this, he will be fully recovered and will be uh, delivering more city sim building games to us soon. So anyways, that's, uh, that's it for today. To take us out today, I'm going to deliver a miniature pitch. And uh, I guess what I want to deliver today is a uh, a game where you play a minister trying to wed as many people as possible 
within a given period of time, like crazy taxi, like, all right, we'll see you next week. <laughs>